los Eagles ganan el juego. ¡Oh, qué patada! Jake Elliott de 61. Y los Eagles con la victoria. Increíble, pero cierto. Jake Elliott para el carne de Filadelfia por una pulgadita. La colocó para ganar el juego. Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Daniel. And we are Civil Youth, and you are listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. These are just emotions, coming through the motions, to make it seem like I'm the only one. This is my moment to break free, to the left of the door and throw the key from whatever is holding me. So somehow, someway, the Eagles lost to the Miami Dolphins. And three straight games. They have not won since the bye week. And now they've got Monday Night Football against a familiar foe in Eli Manning because Danny Dimes is in a walking boot. And uh, who better to break this all down for Eli's return than my man Bobby Skinner. He hosts the uh, Talking Giants podcast on the John Boy Media Network. What's going on, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, man, appreciate you having me on. You know, I was I was looking forward to Daniel Jones' first time against Philly, but it's looking like we're getting one last ride with Eli. It's very interesting because Eli is 116 and 116 in his career, hasn't beaten the Eagles since 2016, but now somehow, some way, he's going to come out in this game and probably absolutely torch the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I was talking with Michael Kiss. Uh, he came on our show yesterday. And he, they were, all, they were of the mindset that it actually is worse for the Eagles because supposedly you guys give up more like shorter stuff and aren't able to tackle. Whereas Jones has been very downfield oriented and will hold on to the ball a little longer and, and have those fumbles. Um, yeah, I, I'm not expecting Eli to light it up. Um, I'm, I'm going to get, re- I'm going to get some optimism before Monday. But it, it's definitely made this game much more interesting than what it was going to be. Definitely. When I saw the, the tweets go out that Eli Manning was going to be starting in this game, I was like, what is happening? And then we see Daniel Jones is in a walking boot. Uh, but on a positive side for Eli, the Giants are getting back pretty much every offensive weapon in the book. Golden Tate looks like he's going to go. Evan Ingram looks like he's going to go. It's got to be a big time, you know, sigh of relief for Eli, knowing that he'll have those, you know, high caliber weapons. What's crazy, Kyle, is that Daniel Jones has not had one game yet where he's had Tate, uh, Shepard, Ingram, and Saquon because Tate started out suspended, then Saquon gets hurt, and then Evan Ingram gets hurt, and then Shep gets a concussion, and this was supposed to be the game, first game he gets all these weapons back, and. Lo and behold, we got Eli back and no Daniel Jones. But it, it's been if he doesn't play again, it's been a good rookie season for him. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about these weapons that the Giants have, and one guy that stood out with Daniel Jones on the field was Darius Slayton. How do you kind of see him still factoring into this offense with Daniel Jones out and not really having a rapport with Eli Manning? And that's a big thing because it's not only, like, have they not played a game together, but, like, they haven't had any action. Slayton was hurt in camp. Uh, and then he got ready, like, for one week, but he was, you know, practicing with the backups. He played one preseason game. 
then he got hurt again and he missed the first two games. And then his debut was the same day as uh, Jones' uh, debut. With Eli's willingness to check down, I don't know how. But also, like, this is kind of like not based off anything, but it's like, you know what? This is Eli's last run. So I kind of expect Eli to go out there and wing it a little bit. And, like, he's got nothing to lose. He doesn't have a starting job to lose anymore. He doesn't, like, he doesn't really, stats don't matter. Um, it's, you know, the only thing that really matters right now is his win-loss record, which, like you said before, is literally 500. Um, and he's going to get a, a ne- another game next week against Miami, which is a very winnable game. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I feel like he will take a couple shots for Slayton. Slayton has been the guy on this team. Like, and even, like he's not better than Sterling Shepard. He's probably not better than Golden Tate. But he has been the guy that Jones is like, I'm going to go out, up and throw it, throw it up and give this guy a shot. It's been interesting with Saquon, too. He hasn't really had one of those big pop-off games since he got injured. What do you think has kind of, you know, contributed to that? Is it more the offensive line? Is it that Saquon's not 100% still? What do you think has kind of been, you know, this thing holding Saquon back from really having those big, you know, trademark games that we've come to know from him? I I think it's a little bit of both. It's Since he came back from the injury, there was a four-week span before our bye week where it seemed to be getting worse, you know, every week. And he couldn't plant and his, like he was giving up sacks because he couldn't plant his ankle and block. He just did not look like himself. Even like when he would get an open field and have like a 20 yard run, he'd come up hopping like every single time. Um, part of it has been the Giants have been running into stack boxes a decent amount. And the debate in Giants is, well, does Daniel Jones have that kind of audible control to freely audible? Like he does have plays where it's like, okay, this is play one, this is play two. Based on the front, you run this, and but we don't know how like free his audible, like how, how much freedom he has with the audibles and how comfortable he is with Eli. That is not like that's out of the question. So like Eli's not going to have him running into stack boxes on on second and ten like Daniel Jones might be. So. He, ha- he did look better last week. He's looked better since the bye week. Um, so I think this would kind of be his game to have a big game. It's going to be interesting, especially since the Eagles' defense kind of is more successful against stopping the run. I'm interested in how that matchup's going to kind of play out. Yeah, that's what, uh, you know, I was talk- like I said, I was talking with Kiss, and he said, like, that's what you guys do. We, we struggle with running outside, and Giants fans are like, why don't we just run outside? It's like, we do, and then failed every single time. Uh, we got tackles and tight ends who can't really block like that. Uh, we got this young guy, Caden Smith, a tight end, who's looked pretty good the past couple weeks. But the Giants have struggled with blocking the inside zone, and outside zone is just that much harder to do. So it's, you know, and, and like you know, the NFL is one in between the tackles in the run game. You can't just run tosses every play. Except for the Vikings, though, and you guys had your guys' hands full of the Vikings. They're the only team I've seen just run the ball outside as consistently as they do. Um but with uh, with Eli in there and, and you know having control of the offense and hopefully a, a little bit of a healthier Saquon, maybe we'll get to see a, a few more plays like that. Let's flip it to the Giants' defense because obviously Giants fans hate this defense. Uh, the biggest thing was you know the trade that Dave Gettleman made at the deadline and it has not worked really uh, in the way that I think he thought it would. This defense has kind of been a mess for a while. It's old uh, and there's kind of just a lot of parts that don't fit together. What's kind of been the the overall vibe and view of this Giants defense in 2019? Well, it's been it was young, and we knew that going into the season. And so there's always optimism when you have all this young talent, but you also have to tell yourself, youth doesn't equal success, you know. So 
like DeAndre Baker, who a lot of Giants fans pile on. I like I like him. He, you know, he was the guy we traded up for in the first round. Um, and like you, you mentioned the Leonard Williams trade. So there's a like the the players on the team are like okay, like you don't expect his defense to be great. And I'm very patient with coaching, but I, James Betcher, the defensive coordinator, he was brought in and he was touted as this guy who runs all these blitzes. He blitzes 45 percent of the time. And you know, every Sunday night I go back through the game and count the blitzes and. Usually it's in like the 20% range. And the Giants have been good at getting teams to third down and long because of like their run stuffers in the middle with Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. But we'll have like third and eight, third and ten. And Betcher, who's known for his blitzes, will rush four. And we don't have the guys to get to the QB with four and drop back in the zone. And there's so much, one, inexperience. And then two, Antoine Bethea, who I love, they have him playing deep safety along with Ogletree, who's not great in coverage covering the middle and there's just cute quarterbacks that have been able to find holes in our defense um, when they have blitz on third down. And I like, I did it after the jets game. I broke down every time he James Betcher blitzed on third down and every time he did not And the, the results were crazy when they blitz. Um, and I know that sounds kind of simplistic. Oh, blitz more, but it's, uh, I blame a lot of it on the defense coordinator. Obviously there's going to be issues, but there's a lot, like a lot of the issues are with the DC um, and like Antoine Bethea. A guy who the past couple of years has made his money in the box. Betra has been using him as like a center fielder, which is like this is not where he's going to fit. And he's been he's been a liability. He's given up plenty of touchdowns. So there there's a lot to be frustrated with. But at the same time, like this defense is mostly made up of rookies at this point. Now, when you guys did play the Jets, you played against one of the craftier running backs in the league, and Le'Veon Bell limited him to 34 yards on the ground, but he did score a touchdown. I grant that, you know, the Jets' offensive line is not that good and have not been a plus for Lev Bell, but a guy who I think is kind of a, you know, lesser version right now of Le'Veon Bell in terms of style is Miles Sanders. How do you view this defense kind of attacking him, knowing that Jordan Howard's probably not playing in this game? Yeah, um, the Giants have been decent, especially as the year has gone on against the run. Now, they struggle on the outside run because of our middle linebackers don't do a good job flowing over and they're and they're blocked a little easier. So I think what they're going to try and do is use our edge guys to contain Sanders from having those outside plays. And then with, you know, Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Thompson, Leonard Williams, like, like say what you want about those guys, but they have been run stuffers. Now, some people think you shouldn't go out and get those guys, but they have stopped the run. So it's basically like containing the edge and keeping it all up the middle. Um, like the only team that has had the two teams that have had really success with against us in the run was Minnesota. Like you, you guys saw that. And then Arizona where they had this outside run scheme with Chase Edmonds, who's a speed guy. But besides that teams really haven't been able to run the ball. Like even our matchups with Dallas. Um, well, actually Dallas, the Monday night football game, we are bad too. But like the first game against Dallas, when team, when we can contain the edge and have guys like, like held up in the middle, our defense has done a really good job of it. It's just on passing downs, we've been horrible. Yeah, and I mean, Miles Sanders is far from a complete product, so it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of attacks because against Miami, there were holes for him to run through, and I just hope that he continues to you know, be able to locate those while he's on the field and navigate his way. Um, you know, this, this Eagles offense, I've never seen this fan base turn on them as quickly as they have this season. How do you kind of view Carson Wentz in this matchup? Is it a plus matchup for him in the way he plays? I'm expecting Carson Wentz to have a huge game. I mean, 
every QB's had a good game against us, basically. Uh, I, and, you know, this is, and most Giants fans agree with me. We all think Carson Wentz is a good QB. Now, things have, you know, since the year he got hurt in the Super Bowl year, things have kind of been weird with injuries. Um, from the outside looking in, like, it looks like, you know, like, I, I watched two Nash, I watched two full games of the Eagles. It was against the Patriots and against the Falcons. And Nelson Aguilar let you guys down in those games. Um, and, you know, you guys have guys on the news talking about that. Like, like I love Eagles fans <laughs> for that kind of stuff. I really do. Uh, so, I, I believe in Carson Wentz. I think you guys do, too. I think your biggest question marks is, like, his injury history. Um, but, like, if you look at his stats this year, they're not far off. And I know you can't just look at a box score. But they're not far off from the MVP year. I mean, but against our defense, he's going to have – he should have a big game. Like, if he doesn't have a big game – then maybe Eagles fans should be worried about Carson Wentz. I agree, and uh, I have to ask you too, because obviously Saquon and Miles Sanders are in this game. What are you setting the over-under for this broadcast team to mention how many times Miles Sanders backed up Saquon Barkley at Penn State? Uh, <laughs> Booger is going to bring it up. I'll put it at, if we're going pre-game, well, I'll put it at like eight. In-game, I'll go four. But yeah, they're they're gonna love that little fact and like, oh, he's learned so much, and they probably have some kind of sit down beforehand. Uh, yeah, they're definitely gonna be bringing that up. They are gonna milk that like no tomorrow, and I just I can't wait because it's a it's a running thing with Eagles Twitter too. Is how many times do they mention every single week that Miles Sanders backed up Saquon Barkley on every single broadcast? But uh, you know. One thing we haven't talked about, and it's weird that the Eagles are playing the Giants for the first time this late in the season, too, is it's year one without Odell. How have you kind of viewed, you know, that trade, seeing what Odell's doing in Cleveland or not doing, uh, you know, from what you guys were able to get in return for him uh, this summer for that trade? Well, basically, here's where I stood with Odell, is he had some troubled things and the start of his career, whether it was the Josh Norman thing, punching the hole in the wall in Green Bay. But I kind of, I defended those as like crimes of passion and the sideline stuff. Like, yeah, it's annoying when it's happening all the time, but it's, it's not the biggest thing. When Odell did that interview with Josina Anderson and Lil Wayne, that's when I kind of flipped on Odell. I was like, no, this isn't like passionate anger. This is a guy who calculated this and went out and bashed his team on national TV and surprised them with it Sunday morning before a game. And then the Thursday after that was against you guys. And then he walks into the tunnel before the half is over. And I know people are like, oh, like who cares? He, you know, the half was basically over. But, I mean, if you've been around football players in a locker room, that's sending a signal. And I believe at the, within that week, the Giants were like, we got to let him go. And I was on board with that. Like, before – the. That Josina Anderson interview, I would have said keep Odell. After that, I was on board to trade him. Um, and as far as what we got back, Jabril Peppers, who was injured for this game, he's really been the biggest playmaker on the Giants' defense. And um, you know, he's been a, he's been better than Landon Collins, really. Dexter Lawrence was you know the pick with the first round. I like him a lot. The third round pick in O'Shane Zimenez, um, you know, third round picks. You'll you'll see what you can get. Maybe he can turn into like a, a decent pass rusher. At this point, we don't know. He's not playing a whole lot. Um, he showed some flashes in the beginning of the season. Um, so I was okay with trading Odell. Really, like, obviously you want to get more and more picks, but there wasn't going to be, like, some deal, like, where I would be going to be freaking out about Odell 
because I like that bothers me as someone who's been in locker rooms and seen locker rooms fall apart. That really rubbed me the wrong way. That like, okay, this is going to get worse. And you know, I, in fact, when that happened, I went and looked at like guys like Terrell Owens, and wa- I went and looked at their first like five six years of their career, and they were kind of like quieter than Odell. So it's like, yeah, am I am I saying he's going to be an Antonio Brown? No, but I'm not going to say that he's not going to be. And I mean, look at what's happening in Cleveland. He's been fairly quiet this year, and I'll give him credit for that. His his quarterback has been the loudmouth. But, you know, the rumors that he's kind of tired of Cleveland and wants to be traded. So I feel like he's a, just a troubled guy, to be honest. Yeah, and the way this Eagles wide receiver core uh, can't catch balls, I will give Cleveland whatever they want for Odell in the offseason because uh, at least he's able to catch things when the ball's thrown to him. Yeah, he's a hell of a weapon. And if he was on my team, I would be excited about him. I don't want to come off as like, ah, like who needs that guy? He's a he's an amazing weapon. He made plays for the Giants. I mean, that year we lost to the Packers in the playoffs. He basically dragged us there on offense. I mean, it was pretty unbelievable what he did. So he's an amazing talent. And, you know, I think you can make it work for a year or two. But if things, you know, like a season like the Phillies having right now with Odell on top of it, I guarantee you'd probably be pretty frustrated with that. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about Golden Tate, too. Played with the Eagles last year, and the the infamous quote from uh, Mike Groh was that he's found it difficult to integrate him into the offense, and then he leaves in free agency. So we pretty much traded for a rental uh, that just wasn't going to work out. Do you see this as kind of a Golden Tate revenge game, trying to get back at the Eagles? Uh... That's, I actually didn't think about that until now. I, I think, you know, like you said, it was only a few games. I'm sure the Eagles tried to bring him back. The Giants just all probably offered him more. Um, and, like, when he went against Detroit, he didn't, like, it was more like he was going to see his old friends. So I don't I don't think it was. And I think he's kind of disappointed about the way he performed when he was with you guys. Yeah, I mean, he had the one catch in the playoffs uh, against the Bears, and that was really the highlight of Golden Tate's Eagles career. So it, we were fine with him leaving. It was just kind of like a, a jab in the back knowing that he was leaving and going to the Giants. Well, I'm glad you guys feel that way. So I, 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 I'm, I'm writing that down for my notes Monday. The Eagles fans hate Golden Tate. I'm going to make some kind of storyline out of it oh, with, yeah. our, with our the, Giants following. There is a lot of Golden Tate, you know, vitriol, and, and people do not like Golden Tate whatsoever, uh, especially here in Philadelphia, just for the way that, like, he didn't work in the offense, obviously. We kept Nelson Aguilar over him, so that kind of also plays a part in it. And then just, you know, his off-field stuff where like he is still in contact with Carson Wentz and that plays into the whole Nick Foles Carson Wentz you know dynamic in the locker room still where people are you know who do they want at quarterback and everything because Golden Tate became quick friends with Carson Wentz and I think that was also one of the dividing things in this locker room is that Wentz gravitated to a guy who was barely here before guys that have been here for years yeah it's I mean, if I could ask you a question, I mean, how true is all, like, the locker room issues? Because, like, you know, uh, who was it that got cut? Was it Skandrick who got cut? Skandrick got cut. Uh, the list goes on and on. Zach Brown got cut. Mac Hollins is now in Miami. You know, it, yeah. it's like each and every week somebody's getting cut. I think it was Skandrick who, when he got cut, he took shots at Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah, took shots right. at Malcolm Jenkins, and then he was on, uh, you know, Skip and uh, Shannon show today again taking shots at the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's pretty much that... If he's not in Dallas, he doesn't like you. Yeah, yeah. See, 
I, I like that you say that because a lot of times it's like, oh, look, he's calling them out. It's like, no, that one guy's an asshole, and he's the one that needs to be figured I out. I thought it was hilarious, too. You know, he said he wouldn't trust Howie Roseman if he told him it was raining outside. He'd bring shorts with him. The next day after that, it was raining in Philadelphia. Howie Roseman was out on the practice field in shorts. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think the locker room dynamic is a thing. I think there is something to it, and... I think the one thing that we compare it to is what happened in Seattle. You know, you had the Legion of Boom, you had Russell Wilson, the dynamic in the Super Bowl where they, you know, the defense had it won, and then Russell Wilson throws the ball instead of Pete Carroll running it, and then they just kind of cleared house with guys that didn't get along with Russell Wilson. You still see the Seahawks succeeding, and then whoever left that's still playing, they're still, you know, having careers that are, are successful, like Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas in Baltimore. I think that is the next step for this Eagles team is they are going to move on from a lot of guys that are still kind of caught up on the Super Bowl that don't really trust Carson or were very Nick Foles-esque uh, guys, and they're just going to clear house to make it a much better situation for Carson Wentz. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, because you, you guys were Super Bowl favorites coming into this year, and what's crazy is you're half a game back in the division right now, and I mean, last year around this time, it looked pretty bad for you guys. And, you know, obviously Nick Foles came in and it looked like you guys had that magic. And, you know, I, I thought you were going to beat the Saints. And then Jeffrey pops that ball up and it's a, it's a whole different story. But, I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you've seen us do it where you catch lightning at the end of the season. You guys have the QB to do it. You guys obviously have a coach who's won the Super Bowl. So, um, I mean, obviously if I was an Eagles fan, I'd be as frustrated as hell with this season. But, like, it's crazy. This Like, it's crazy that you guys are half a game back. And, you know, I, I try to be realistic, but I also, I also like am a fan, and I'm gonna have fan moments. And like last week, going into the Packers game, I was like, "Run the table, baby! Run the table and win this out." Is it the dumbest scenario ever? Yeah, run the table. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and pump some life into this game. Now we're mathematically eliminated, um, which is you know weird to say in Week 14 with two wins. Absolutely. You know, somehow Washington is still alive in the playoffs in this <laughs> terrible division. Uh, in your opinion, is this the end of the line for Pat Shermer after the season? I've been known as a Pat Shermer apologist. Um, I'm a big believer, and, like, New York fans are crazy. Like, like, And I love them for it. Like, we wouldn't have a listenership if they weren't crazy. But they're very impatient. And, and I also don't expect fans to go and, and watch film every week. Like... Because, I, you know, I do, and I tell myself, it's like, Bobby, you're the weirdo who goes and watches game film after the game. Like, they're, all those people are normal. You're the weird one who does that. So, like, <laughs> don't, don't hold that against people. Uh, but, like, I've seen progress with Jones. And, you know what, as much as I like Jones, like, in the draft process, it was a ballsy pick. Like, it was, it was hated by the majority of Giants fans. Um, and Shermer had a lot to do, I think, as much to do with that as Gettleman did. Um, I'm a big believer, though, let me get back to my point, that you don't just fire people for the sake of firing. Now, I like Ron Rivera. If they're like, listen, we're going to go get Ron. Because they could go, I mean, there's no nothing stopping them from talking to him now. I mean, we saw the Raiders do with Gruden. If they have a guy that they, that they think is we're be, he's better than Pat Shermer, whether it's Matt Rule or whoever then go and get that guy and fire Pat Shermer because I think Jones is a smart guy. Like as much as I think Shermer has a, uh, you know, a good amount to do with his growth. I, he, I think he's a smart guy who will figure it out really, no matter who his coach is. I think he's a cerebral guy like that. 
Um, but if we're just firing them for the sake of firing them, like we did McAdoo, like we did Coughlin, then it's like, what's the point? Like with Coughlin, we fired him for the sake of firing him. We fired Coughlin and just upgraded everybody in the organization in one position. Like we didn't, we didn't make any changes. Like I was okay with, with firing Coughlin if we went and got Sean Payton because, you know, it's rumored that he was going to be traded. So I, I don't think it's the end for Shermer if the Giants don't like necessarily have a guy. And I think the Giants, I think Dave Gettleman is, is going to try and be patient. I mean, it's hard fighting off Giants fans with this. Um, they can't stand when I, you know, start off 20 minutes talking about why Pat Shermer should be there. And he has his faults. But, yeah, I, I'm patient with Pat Shermer unless the Giants have a guy that they really want to go get, like Ron Rivera. Now, the other question is, is this the end for Dave Gettleman? Because we have a running hashtag in Philadelphia that is hashtag long live Dave Gettleman because of the moves that he makes and, you know, his just kind of out-of-the-box way of, of building the Giants. Is this the end for Dave Gettleman, in your opinion, after the season? I, now, I'm a believer. Now, if Ron Rivera signed because there's that history there and Ron Rivera has earned patience, I'm like, okay, you can keep Gettleman. And I like Gettleman. I think that, like I said, I love the Daniel Jones pick. I was, you know, a not a lot, a lot, not a lot of people there with me because, you know, I went and spent time. I was like, wow, like, why, what are these people saying about him? And maybe that's a little bit of like a, a bias in me. But it's looking to be a good pick already. I love the Jones pick. Uh, and, like, people are like, a lot of Giants fans are like, oh, he didn't rebuild the offensive line. It's like, he kind of has made this. I mean, the offensive line is way better. Will Hernandez, who hasn't been great this year, has been solid. Like, that was a good pick. Nate Solder, even the most negative Giants fans admit, as bad as Nate Solder has been, it was the right decision. You had to fix it, like, get someone there in left tackle. Mike Remmers this year, who's uh, got a stopgap, he's been solid. Um, you know, traded for Kevin Zeitler for Olivier Vernon when we thought Olivier Vernon was going to be cut. So I think he has improved the offensive line. It's not there yet. Like, Solder, we all knew Solder was going to be overpaid, but, I mean, it's been really bad this year. He's been the worst offensive lineman. Um, with the Jones pick, uh, I do like, and people are like, oh, he only like drafts run stoppers. It's like, no, he drafted three corners in this draft, and he just traded for Jabril Peppers. It's just all those guys are very young and have to grow into that. So he he's not just drafting your run stoppers, and then you add it like, say we're in position for Chase Young, you add that like he's the kind of guy that can change your defense overnight, especially if you have all these other pieces in there. So I'm on board with Gettleman, but if they fire Shermer and go out and get some random guy. Then you got to fire Gettleman too, because it's kind of a package deal. Because what happens is, okay, let's say you you keep Gettleman and you fire Shermer. So this new coach comes in, and Gettleman's like, I got to win year one with this cat. So he spends free agency money badly, and then they're like, you know what, we got to fire Gettleman. And a new GM comes in, and is like, this isn't my head coach, but the the, the owner said I got to keep him for one year, so I'm going to fire him after a year. And they bring, and it's just like a bad, never-ending cycle. So for me, I like Gettleman. I, I keep him here with Shermer or Rivera. If not, you got to move on, even though I think he's a good drafter. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the question marks. You know, the, the Leonard Williams trade was obviously a question mark because it hasn't truly worked out and just the amount that you guys had to give up to get him. I, I will say with that one, because I do believe in taking chances. Like, how many times do we – like, I think we overvalue draft picks. And I'm a draft guy. I love draft guys. I love finding those, di- like, diamonds in the rough, like Slayton and Connolly. Um, and that's another guy. Like, Connolly looked really good this year until he got hurt. Um, the Williams trade, I can't judge it until he gets a contract. If he gets paid, like, a top three, four defense tackle, then I'll say bad trade. But if they get him for a deal, 
I don't hate the idea of going and taking a chance. But yeah, at this point, I would lean bad on it because as much as he's been like he hasn't, his stats haven't showed up um, this season. But it's also like, yeah, we understand it's not all about stats, but we want some flash plays too. Now it's it's been a weird dynamic in the NFL just because of how many teams have collectively been at the bottom. Obviously, it's the Giants, Washington, the Dolphins, who have now somehow won three games. Uh, the Falcons have been terrible. The Bengals just won their first game. Would you rather see the Giants attempt to kind of find a way to lose out the rest of the season to get a guy, you know, like Chase and move up in the draft to have that ability to get a dynamic game changer like that? That's a tough one because I I don't believe in wanting to lose. I really don't. But I also look at Chase Young and like, man, that guy can change your whole franchise. So I'm with Eli in, I'm kind of rooting, and I'm going up to New Jersey for the or New York for the. And I'm going to go to a game in nice. New Jersey for the first time next week, and I was like, oh, so I'll get to see Eli one last time. So I'm rooting for at least one win, and we keep that number two spot. But yeah, I'm, I'm with Daniel Jones out, and I don't have to worry about his progression. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I'm kind of rooting to lose these games. Like, look look good in doing it, though. Right. But I will say, Kyle, if we beat you guys on Monday night, I will celebrate like crazy because it Deservedly has been, so. It, it's been <laughs> brutal, man. We do shows on Sunday nights after games, and it's been eight freaking weeks in a row. It's like, man, I am so tired of coming on here and discussing a loss for over two months straight. Just give me one thing to be happy about, even if it's meaningless i know i was thinking about it today obviously the eagles had their bye week after november 3rd and we haven't won a game since the bye and it's been over a month now and i'm like how the hell has this team gone an entire month without winning a game and you know it's been towards you talk about eight weeks four weeks in philadelphia is about eight weeks i think with you guys just with how much the media coverage gets overblown with this team people turning on Carson Wentz and we can finally shut up the Nick Foles apologist because he got benched in Jacksonville as, <laughs> as much as I love Nick Foles and will forever be, you know, indebted to him in my sports fandom. You have to move on like fan wise, organization wise, player wise. Like he's not walking through that door to take over this team. He is in Jacksonville. Let it die. And you know, just the, the constant nonsense that we've had to deal with for these, for this month, after losing to you know New England, Seattle, and then somehow Miami, it has been absolute torture. What was crazy is like New England, Seattle was like you know what those are really good teams, and, and then, they played them close. I know, and then it's like oh Miami's making a comeback and dropping thirty. Twice, like, oh, two fourteen gosh. point leads blown. It was absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. Plus, you know Alshon Jeffrey, it's amazing when somebody is healthy, they look good. Nelson Aguilar actually caught passes, and yet we lose. Uh, yeah. I, I like Jeffrey a lot. I think he's been really good for you guys. And I know him being out has hurt. And I went and looked at I was like, oh, man, he had, you know, it was eight catches, like 120 yards and a thudder. So, um, you know, he, I think he's like, as, I think he's as vital as Zach Ertz is to your offense, honestly. How do you view Alshon in this matchup against, you know, the young corners? Well, the thing is, is Jenkins would probably be the guy he lines up. But Jenkins complained this week about, I don't follow anybody. And it's been true. Like the last two weeks against the Bears and the Packers, the Bears put Allen Robinson in the slot, and the Packers put Devontae Adams in the slot, and we have a six-round corner in there from the rookie. And he's gotten torn up and, like, not no help over the top. So if you guys move him around, 
I expect him to have a huge game. Um, Janoris Jenkins has been pretty solid this year besides the Tampa game where Mike Evans just tore him up. So it all depends on how you like you guys move him or if you just keep him on the right side for a whole game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do that because Nelson Aguilar is absolutely terrible on the outside. But when he's in the slot, he's money when he can actually you know get his hands on the ball and actually come down and catch it. Maybe they need to throw him one of those XFL balls that have the grips on it. <laughs> Maybe it'll help him out. But, uh, I would expect Aguilar to have a big game. I really do. That's interesting. I, I to have me. no faith in this defense. I really <laughs> do. Who do you who do you think on this Giants team, whether it's on the offensive side of the ball or defensive side of the ball, is kind of an X factor that'll really you know potentially flip the script and help the Giants win this game? Julian Love. He was a corner at Notre Dame last year. We drafted him in the fourth round. He's playing safety. He got his first start uh, last week, and then he start he got a lot of playing time against Chicago. He played like he's inexperienced, so he could have a horrible game. He really could because he, you know, he didn't even play safety in college. But he plays fast, he plays physical, and I, I, I think he has good ball skills. He was, I think he he led college football the past two years and pass deflections. He has really good ball skills. So if he can come down and and help with Zach Ertz and and play deep on on uh, Jeffrey and and Aguilar, then he have a big game. But, like I said, he's unexperienced, so he can also have a horrible game where Zach Ertz is just tearing him up. So, I'd say Julian Love, the safety, number 24, is it would be the guy to watch out for on defense. And how do you think the Eagles can end up winning this game? You know, is it through running the ball with Miles Sanders and a little sprinkle of Jay Ajayi, or is it Carson Wentz kind of just taking, you know, control of this game for the first time in a while and, you know, just passing all day long? Wentz, Wentz, Wentz. I'm telling you, Wentz could have a 400-yard, four-touchdown game against this defense. It has been horrible in the past. Um, and just and look over the middle of the field. Wherever Antoine Bethea and Alec Ogletree are, just drop it right in between those two guys. Because they, you know, Ogletree will make a flash play here and there. But Bethea has been horrible this year from the deep safety spot. So going after those guys and picking on the slot. Like, it's it's really going to be up in the pass game. Like, I obviously, you got to run the ball. I can't stand when people are like, oh, just pass, pass, pass. Never run the ball. But um, you're going to make your money in the pass game this this game. I think if you guys – like the Patriots kind of tried to pound it and pound it against us, and they're like, wow, good game by the Giants. It's like, no, they just kind of played into our hands. So, you know, air it out. You know, run it here and there. But air it out would be the the big thing. Yeah, and I think the biggest X factor for the Eagles against this team, you talk about the offensive line being, you know, kind of middle of the pack this year, not really living up to full-blown expectations – is going to be the Eagles' defensive line. If they can you know, get home, which they weren't able to do against the Dolphins somehow, they need to be able to you know, create pressure on Eli, especially since he's not mobile. He's not Daniel Jones who can kind of roll out a little bit and use his legs to his advantage. If you can get after Eli, I think that'll, that'll be the, the real determining factor on how this Eagles team plays on Monday night. Yeah, and that's the difference with Eli and Daniel is that Eli's going to get the ball out quick, so maybe he can... Like you know, stay, neutralize that, um, and you know, t- and you know, pick a spots. Uh, but with Jones, like if I was an Eagles fan going against Jones, I'd be like, okay, like we just gotta, like he's gonna make some plays. But if we get to him, we can you know force him to have a fumble here and there. And the fumbles have been a little overblown. Like six of them, he's had his arm cocked back in his backswing, and Soldier's guy gets him from the blind side. So it's like we count those as fumbles. But they have been an issue. Um, but yeah, with your guys like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. That I'm sure they would have loved to get Daniel Jones rookie year. 
And maybe they will week 17. Who knows? It'll be interesting. Uh, I'm very, very excited for this matchup because there is potential for an Eagles win. Um, but I can't assume anything because they lost the Dolphins. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, any... that's the wild card in there. Uh, it's like, yeah, should we lose this game? Of course. But they also lost to the Dolphins last week. So, And it's Monday night with Eli back. Like, crazier things have happened. Exactly. I, I would not be shocked if the black cat from MetLife shows up at Lincoln Financial Field and <laughs> causes a stir and people go crazy because literally anything happens on Monday Night Football. Bobby Skinner, you're the absolute man. Let everybody know where they can check you out on social media, listen to the podcast. Uh, I love everything John Boy's doing, so uh, let everybody know where they can check everything out. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm not expecting Eagles fans to come and follow me for my Darius Slayton stats. But I love to do draft stuff, and that's where we can all come together. Everybody loves draft stuff. So follow me on Twitter, at Bobby Skinner underscore. And then on the Instagram, we do at Talking Giants. Um, but with the draft stuff, I'll put it at, at Simple Man Radio as well on Instagram. But Twitter is where I do most of my stuff, at Bobby Skinner underscore. Come trash talk me on Monday night. I like to bark back. So let's, let's have some fun. Eli's back. Shady's back. Absolutely. It's going to be a ton of fun, and we'll definitely have to get you back on again and uh, you know talk more Giants on brand for the podcast and definitely during draft season, too. It'll be a ton of fun to talk some draft with you, buddy. All right. I appreciate it, Kyle. And there you have it, Eagles fans. Anything can happen on Monday Night Football. It's going to be an absolute doozy of a game because divisional games do those types of things. And I'm very excited to see how this Eagles team can bounce back after an embarrassing loss to the Dolphins and hopefully take it to Eli Manning and the Giants. This team has the ability to do this. They just need to put it all together, play a complete game, and not give up the big plays. Don't let Eli have a nice retirement tour in your stadium. Don't let him come out and and absolutely embarrass you again. You haven't won a game in a month since you beat the Bears. Go run the table because you have to. Dallas gave you another gift to potentially win this division after losing to the Bears on Thursday Night Football. Go out there, grab this division, you know, by the horns and and run with it. That's what this Eagles team has to do. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can take advantage of it. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox need to be able to get home. Derek Barnett, get after Eli. This Giants offensive line is beatable. And then Carson Wentz, make it simple, make it easy. Don't do too much and just go out there and have fun. That's what this Eagles team is lacking. Go have fun and make it easy on yourselves and let's run the table and win this division to get in the playoffs. Big shout out to my man Bobby Skinner from Talking Giants from John Boy Media coming on the show as a first timer on Eagles Enemies. And uh, make sure you're following him. He does a lot of good Giants stuff, a lot of good draft stuff like you said and uh, he's awesome for hopping on the show uh, this week and make sure you're following us on Twitter at underground PHI at KBIZZL311 and then make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews with how you think this Monday night matchup against the Giants is going to go down and then you can follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the radio.com app, the TuneIn app, and you can follow and stream us on iHeartRadio. Let's do this damn thing, guys. Let's win this game. Go beat the Giants on Monday Night Football and make us feel great about this team moving forward and kind of give us a, a breath of fresh air as uh, you know we get set for this divisional gauntlet. But this has been another edition of Eagles Enemies right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, Kyle Bennett. Again, shout out to Bobby Skinner for coming on the show. 
And uh, till next week, go birds.